Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Saturday mailbag time and a special show. The Fantasy Cops will be showing up a little bit later. I'm Adam Azer with Dan Schneier. We've got all the news that we didn't really have time to talk about on the position previews this week. Maybe some preseason reaction. There's only been two games so far for us because this is Friday afternoon. I know we've got some games on the Friday night slate. We won't be able to react to them. They have not happened yet, and they probably won't be all that consequential. Anyway, uh, hopefully no injuries. Dan, how you doing? Great today. I got a good weekend ahead of me going to the Mets tomorrow, as you see with this jersey right now. You're wearing a good wearing for, times. for two full days, or are you going like, to no, wash no, it? No, I'm going for, going for Saturday night's game with a couple friends, so. It's my first game of the season, though, so I'm really excited. But are you wearing that jersey to the game? Um, Potentially, but probably not. I'm not a big jersey to the game kind of guy. I don't know where you stand on that. I don't know. To, yeah, I don't know. To baseball jersey. I've got the shirts, <laughs> you know, T-shirts. with. Yeah, the I like, yeah that's what I'll wear, like a Mesh T-shirt is what right, I'll probably yeah. wear. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't I don't like baseball jerseys. I like football jerseys. Yeah. I don't have the arms for a basketball jersey. But anyway, <laughs> let's get into it. What was the, some of the biggest news or rankings adjustments, or anything over the past week, because we just haven't had time to talk too much about it on the show. Um, what, what do you think? The biggest news, I would probably say, hmm, that's a good one. I'd say it could be the Tom Brady situation, right? How he's away from the team. A lot of people are trying to make something out of that. I don't know if I'm going to, but that's been news. I think probably actually the bigger fantasy uh, development is what's going on with this Melvin Gordon foot contusion. Like, is he going to miss time? Are we going to get Javante Williams season? Cause that's going to change the whole draft board. If, if Gordon, if it comes out today or tomorrow that Gordon needs a couple weeks in a walking boot or might not be ready for week one, that's going to change the outlook completely there. Yeah. And for me, it's this lion's backfield and mm-hmm. Jamal Williams clearly going to have a role. And I just don't really get it. You know, he is one of the least explosive (laughs) running backs in the NFL. The guy has something like five 20-yard carries in his career, which is insane. Um, Like Rashad Penny had more than that in the last five games of the season or something like that. So I don't think he's really earned it, but he gets it, and he got it last year. DeAndre Swift has one game in his career with more than 16 carries. It came last season without Jamal Williams. And talk that Jamal Williams is going to be used at the goal line. So what does that mean for DeAndre Swift? And it really puts him from a touch situation, perhaps in a very similar position to Aaron Jones. Except, quite frankly, I trust the catches more for Aaron Jones than I do for DeAndre Swift, even though you know, he was on pace for 81 catches last year. Uh, that was a big part of his game, but... You've got some more added competition where you've got the decreased competition for Aaron Jones. Those guys are going in similar ranges early in round two. I prefer Aaron Jones, but I'm a little nervous about DeAndre Swift because I guess if you were on the Packers, I wouldn't care. I'd trust Aaron Rodgers to make that offense work. 
But, you know, I don't think the Lions are going to be terrible. But if he's losing goal line work and he's getting 12, 13 carries a game, he might just be a PPR specialist. Um, and then, you know, then there's the whole thing about the, the new play caller. It's not Anthony Lynn anymore. So I got some red flags here with DeAndre Swift. I, I still like him in round two. I don't love him. Uh, I don't love him in a, as a top 20 pick anymore. I like him. Don't love him anymore. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Adam. I'm a little worried, mostly worried about the Anthony Lynn factor. That's going to be a lot fewer targets going the running back's way in general in that offense. So just like you said, a little too many red flags for someone being drafted that high. I mean, earlier this draft season, I saw him going off the board at the round one, two turn at times. It's starting to even out a little bit. He's going more in the mid two, but still, for me, a little too rich for my blood. I'll I'll try to calm your nerves a little bit with this <laughs> um, and mine as well. I really broke it down, the running back targets, with and without Anthony Lynn calling plays. Anthony Lynn called plays for the first nine games of the season, and running backs had a 25.6% target share. Very high. But they had 21 targets in week one. If you remember week one, had this crazy comeback against the 49ers when the 49ers benched their best defensive players for the fourth quarter, and (laughs) Kyle Shanahan said, we did it too early. But (laughs) they had this crazy fourth quarter bonanza Anyway, they had 21 running back targets in week one. That was the only game with more than 10 running back targets in the Anthony Lynn play-calling era. Um, The other eight games, they averaged 23.4%. No, I'm sorry. They had a 23.4% target share, running backs. How did that compare to post-Anthony Lynn when DeAndre Swift was healthy? That was only three games. Right. But running backs had a 21.7% target share, down from 23.4% in those other eight games with Anthony Lynn and DeAndre Swift. So the, the the running back targets went way down when Anthony Lynn wasn't calling plays. However, most of that was without Swift. When Swift was playing, it was still a respectable, very good 21.7% target share. Um, so I thought that was really parsing the data, but give you a little bit more hope that he's still going to be involved in the passing game. All right, uh, we talked about running backs and wide receivers this week. We did our position previews. You were not on them. Would you like to give us a couple minutes on your uh, approach to running back and wide receiver? Sure, we can do that. Let's ju- let's dive right in. At running back for me, I don't end up get- I look for the hero running back approach. It's pretty much been my strategy for a few years now running in my half and full point PPR leagues. So ultimately, it's better if you get one of those earlier draft picks. But I found myself taking a little bit of Dalvin Cook later in the later in the first round. Derrick Henry falls. He's a player I'm still higher on than most. I still have a good feeling about what he can do at this age, coming off a little a little fresher than he was last year. I know there are some concerns to the Titans' offensive line, but those concerns for me are mostly on the pass blocking side. I think they're going to be a good run blocking team still. So I like the hero RB approach, and then I like to stack up those high upside RBs for my RB2 through 4 or 5 range. I'm talking once we get into the Tony Pollard range, the the Daryl Henderson range, uh, these types of backs, James Cook, guys who if things break right for them, they can contribute for you, but their role in the passing game should at least give them or make them startable, in my opinion, as my RB2 spot. Because I'm not looking to fill my lineup down the middle, right? Quarterback, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. I'm okay filling a flex before we're running back two spot. I'm honestly, at times, Adam, okay filling my backup wide receiver before my running back two spot. My goal is to have the best three receivers plus flex I can have in every league. So, obviously, what does that mean? It means stacking wide receivers, a lot of them, from rounds one through six or seven, uh, before I dip back into the running backs. 
and Dan's doing this from a three-receiver league perspective. I've said it ad nauseum this week. Right. Many of you are in two-receiver leagues, probably not going to take quite the same approach. Um, but if you did want to play Hero RB in a two-receiver league, two running back, two receivers, and a flex, then I, you know, it still works perfectly. A Hero RB, to me, seems like the best strategy. But, um, but if I were going to do that, my RB2 would be earlier than Dan's. I would go in the AJ Dillon. I, I would probably focus on AJ Dillon and Kareem Hunt as my RB2, or maybe if like Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, if they keep falling, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to Tony Paul. I wouldn't go to a guy that I thought had pretty much no value without an injury to, as my RB2. Uh, I just don't see why you have to do that, even if it were a three receiver league. Cause you know, that's why I like Kareem Hunt. He's going to have value no matter what. And he still has that upside if there's an injury uh, to the lead running back, just like Paul or just like Henderson. But yeah, either way, Hero RB is a great strategy. It works. Check out our pick by pick series. And what can you tell us about the draftathon, Dan Schneier? Yeah, the draftathon is coming up at the end of the month. And there's so many great things going on right now around our draftathon. It's for St. Jude's. So every dollar that you donate is going straight to St. Jude's. Few big events planning and coming up soon. We will have a fun TikTok around this that I think everyone will enjoy. It's a very different kind of spin on our typical uh, streams. So that'll be fun. Potentially another FFT draft-a-thon poker tournament. That's in the works as well. I think that's going to be finalized next week early. So look out for poker news on the poker tournament. That's always fun. And we may be doing something really interesting around the draft-a-thon. A little bit of a Scott Fishbowl type experience for uh. those of you who want to compete in a multi-team tournament. So both of those things still in the works. I want to talk more about them when they're finalized. But in the meantime, head to our Draftathon store, which you can find by clicking that QR code, or you can find in the uh, description of this podcast and look through it. There's a lot of fun items to bid on. I mean, you could do a private pre-draft call with, with Jamie, Heath, and Dave. You can bid on a, a chance to be in the Scott Fishbowl, the actual Scott Fishbowl, next year with any of us. You can bid on it to be with Adam in his league, in my league, Jamie, uh, Jamie Dave, Heath. <laughs> also... Adam can announce your first round. I think that one's kind of fun. I've done Adam that. Yeah, I've done that two, yeah. two years it's in a really row. Fun. It is like, fun. So there's just a lot of fun, different things in there. And just remember, if you are choosing to take part and donate, you'll be uh, you know, supporting St. Jude and our draft-a-thon. And also, by the way, we're going to do more of what we did last week, which was really fun and impromptu. We decided to kind of give out spots in our mock draft to anyone who wanted to bid on them for St. Jude. And we got three people who were really interested in bid. And so we'll probably do that for one of our stream drafts too, Adam, I'm thinking. So right, let's just take, keep an eye out. Let's take yeah, a look at the, at the eBay room right now. Pre-draft call with Jamie Heath is going for 50 bucks. Uh, a guest spot on the podcast is going for 1425 bucks. Keep that up. Keep that going. A spot in the podcast league right now is at 2550 bucks. Wow. Let's see who's more popular, me or you. Adam it's announces you. you. You, oh, I don't know. No, look at that pre-draft call with Dan Schneier up to fifty-one dollars. Yeah, and I started that at ten bucks, by the way. And Adam Azer announces your first round twenty-seven dollars. So uh, nice work. Though Let's I did scroll up real quick. I did get some funny comments from people. They're like, "What the hell did you use for for the for the uh, headshot here?" Is that I don't your know. Driver's this is the license. Worst, this is, is that the worst your driver's headshot. license. You you look like you're about to go into eleventh uh, <laughs> grade. Well, guess what? I've never had a professionally done headshot at CBS Sports. Let's talk to the people who are in charge of that. All right. Get me one. It is time. It is time. Let's get into our news and notes right now. Uh, we got uh, we got a lot of them. Deshaun Watson would reportedly accept an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine. And Cleveland could be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. We said on the wide receiver preview on Friday that 
Amari Cooper would be, I think, a round six pick for us if uh, Garoppolo were the quarterback. Tom Brady will be away from the Bucks for about a week due to a personal issue. Uh, Baker Mayfield is reportedly in the lead for the Panthers quarterback job, and we expect that to stick, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been saying, he's a, he, to me, he's a two-QB league sleeper, finished 2020 very strong, threw for over 300 yards in week one for the Browns in 2021, and then he hurt his shoulder in week two. I do not judge him on anything after that. He's playing with a torn labrum in his left shoulder. So, yeah, sleeper. Not, I don't think he's going to be great. Not a Baker guy. I'm not a Baker guy either, but oh, in a two QB league, I don't know. I mean, um, I know I understand the appeal for sure. I just feel like a lot of his production was via Kevin Stefanski and playing behind the best offensive line in football for two years in a row. This offensive line for the Panthers could be much better. They it's going to be improved. It's definitely going to be improved. Brandon Thorne was talking about that the other day. They had they have good pieces, but it's it's probably still mid pack. Uh, Geno Smith still ahead of Drew Locke, although I think do they have their game tonight? I'm not sure they. A preseason game coming up. Uh, Jameis Winston has a foot injury. Doesn't seem like a big deal. And Joe Burrow, as of Friday afternoon, still out with an appendectomy. Running backs, Najee Harris, foot. Melvin Gordon, foot. Mm. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are both going to be on a pitch count, according to offensive coordinator Justin Otten. So that's why we like Javante in round three instead of round two. Isaiah Spiller, not necessarily the backup. Uh, running back coach Derek Foster does like Spiller's speed, which is interesting because that was a huge red flag at his combine. Ran over a four six, but um, but he's not right now. I don't know that Austin Eckler has a true handcuff. I agree. J.K. Dobbins off the pup list. What did you make of this SI thing? This SI report. John McMullen, a, a contributor for SI, saying that Kenneth Gainwell seems penciled in for high leverage work, including short yardage. Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, I buy it, Adam. I mean, I'm not going to look too deeply into uh, Nick Sirianni wearing the Kenneth Gainwell shirt at a press conference a couple weeks ago. That was funny to see, just hyping up his boy. Gainwell's had a nice steady drum beat going for a while, and there are some people who really liked him as a prospect as well coming out. Gainwell is in that range of backs that I like to target when I use my hero RB approach. Okay. Uh, We could see Ronald Jones on the roster bubble. Already, Rashad Penny has groin tightness. That one's crazy to me, the Ronald Jones in the roster bubble. I saw he was working with the third-team offense yesterday. That was just wild to me. I really thought this could work there. I thought, especially as they transition to more of an offense that goes through the run game and the screen game and kind of takes the deep air out of the ball at times when they're facing these two high-safety looks, maybe Jones could pound between the middle behind what's arguably the second or third-best offensive line in the NFL, maybe the first with the Chiefs. Um but it's been interesting there. I don't think they're. I don't think he's. I don't think he's having a great camp. I'll just say that. No, it's and it can't be bad news for for Clyde Edwards Elair, who you draft in every draft. So not as much anymore. Okay, well maybe you should change that. <laughs> it's unbelievable that Rashad Penny has groin tight. I mean, it's not unbelievable. Um, but it just it makes you wonder if the smart play is just to take Ken Walker and just wait, just wait it out. Who, who would you take? Uh, out of those two, I would take Walker, but I'm not particularly high on either of those. Okay, James. So White. I see the I see the ceiling with both. So it's just one of the weirdest scenarios. I feel like in fans, don't you agree? You kind of can feel like both could be easily. You can they can knock out their ADP. Or oh yeah. The flip side. Oh yeah. On the flip yeah. side, you can easily. I mean, I'm not avoiding them. Uh, I'm not avoiding either. It's just weird. You're buying into an offense that's so low ceiling. James White retired. Any uh, Ty Montgomery love for Ugh. you, Dan? Oh, Ty. We talked about this in the fantasy slack yesterday. I just. 
I really don't want to see Ty Montgomery mucking up this backfield, and we're going to see that. And we have so many players there, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. We talked about on FFT and 5, me and Chris. We're kind of buying into this function right now with this Patriots offense. Like, you tell me Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are trying to come up with an offense, and they're randomly installing wide zone now after being a power gap team for years and successfully running that blocking scheme. Just too many weird red flags going on right now for me. Wide receiver news, T. Higgins ramping up his practice reps. Chicago so beat up at wide receiver. Nikhil Harry out indefinitely. <laughs> Byron Pringle out indefinitely. Vilas Jones has a seemingly minor injury. So um, not good what for What do you fields. think about the Giants potentially looking to Chicago as a trade partner for Kenny Galladay? Chicago was the only other team that was reported to offer Galladay a contract in free agency last offseason. It was a one-year deal in, in a range smaller than what the Giants ultimately signed him for. Multi-year, but Galladay's really been struggling with the Giants, and they yeah. have a couple players behind him who look good. I'd be intrigued to see the Giants look down that path. I think if they did that, it would obviously boost Kadarius Toney quite a bit if he could just get on the field. And I think it would hurt. I think it would hurt Rashad uh, uh, Darnell Mooney because yeah. you just you really need a huge target volley from him. Galladay might. Heath was talking about it today. I mean, and, and I even mentioned how you've been tweeting about his hip surgery a couple of years ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, Galladay might just not be the same guy. Uh, He's he doesn't look like it so far. Yeah. So I don't think it would change anything for Galladay. I'm still not drafting him, but you don't same. want it for for Darnell Mooney. Um, I think it actually could change. And we don't need to talk too much about it. It's such a hypothetical, but it would change things a little bit for Galladay for me just to get him out of that Giants offense that doesn't fit him into a team that just has so many more vacated targets. But yeah, let's move forward. Yeah, let's move forward. I won't even um, go through the rest of the news, except I'll tell you that the NFL is going to ease up on roughing the passer calls. Last Whoa. year, we had the highest amount of roughing the passer calls per game in NFL history. They're going to be a little bit more lenient there. Those types of plays where you go, what was he supposed to do? I think they're going to try to avoid throwing the flag on that, and that will be a really nice change. All right, when we come back, the Fantasy Cops will be joining us to settle your league disputes. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This one is from Mitch. Fantasy Cops, by the way, you got a league problem, you let us know. Send us an email, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Put Fantasy Cops in the subject line. And we will settle it and arrest whoever we need to arrest. Mitch was invited to an auction league, salary cap league, eight-man league, and is a five-keeper league. About a month ago, I was asked I was asked to play, and I immediately accepted. There were two open teams in the league, so he accepted and he took one of them. And this is a league from the frickin' 90s where they use a damn Excel spreadsheet and keep track of points by hand. Uh, for two to three weeks, teams were offering me trades, and then I posted my five keepers. Now, a month has passed, and I wake up to a message in the group chat saying, in short, hey, we asked this other guy before you. He was half in, half out, going over the rules, etc. We didn't expect you to accept the offer so soon, but we asked him first. So in fairness to him, we are going to give him your team, and Oof. you can either choose the other open team or quit. 
Obviously, I raised hell and many valid points that this was not fair. In fact, it was the opposite of fair. The guy had to have one of the league members make a Facebook account for him so he could join the group chat, blah, blah, blah. Should I have quit or taken the other team? What would you have done? That's a great question. I mean, we don't know what the other team is, so that that factors in as well. But you should 100% have choice of team at that point. You accepted first. doesn't matter that they asked the other guy first. You accepted first. So that is completely unfair. And if there's a stark, like a stark contrast between the two teams, one team looks more primed to win than the other, I wouldn't play. I'd quit. I would quit, Adam. Because <laughs> it's just too frustrating. Like, why do I have to take this bad team? I accepted first. I deserve the good team. I agree. I mean, what a what a jerk move. I, obviously, give the other guy who accepted later the other right. team. It's the most obvious solution. Uh, your league is crazy, and the fact that they don't use websites is also is also nutty. This is from Chris. <laughs> From our nation's capital. I'm the commissioner of a dynasty league, which is redraft for several years before switching to dynasty last year. Everyone in the league is either a friend or a friend of a friend with each other. And while I'm not going to say it's super crazy league, it is a bit competitive. This past offseason was our first full dynasty offseason. We might have a slight issue. Several members are just extremely inactive. Uh, they not only do they not accept trade offers, they don't even bother to decline them. So that bothers him. Uh, do you know of any ways to possibly make a rule around this that isn't too unreasonable? Or should I talk with these people at the end of the season and have the difficult conversation to either kick them out or ask them to be more active? I've sent out group texts a number of times um, asking people to remember to check the app at least once or twice a week and please respond to offers. Everyone, on everyone in the league was on board with switching to Dynasty, so it frustrates me that we have managers who didn't realize that Dynasty typically should entail more activity. Yeah, this is the crux of every dynasty league. So you're not alone. I feel like any dynasty league I've ever been a part of, there's been some inactive owners. <laughs> Cough Azer. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought he was in our dynasty league, but he's not. He's active in the league. <laughs> but it's something that there's no real solution for. I've seen people try to walk down the path of figuring out some kind of way to get people to be more active. But really, the reality is you need to either remove these teams from the league and find more active owners, which in itself can be tough. It's never easy to find owners to take over a bad team. I just took over one of the worst teams you could even imagine in Dynasty in our CBS League with Dave and Jamie. <laughs> and I'm trying to retool that thing up from the bot from the ground up. <laughs> that, that thing needs a lot of work. But... Still, I'm active. I've already made a trade. I've done a, a lot of free agency moves, and I was active in our draft. So you got to find you got to find managers like that. And it's the only thing you could do is replace the inactive ones. You could just let them be inactive. What's the big deal? What's the I mean, big if deal? you want an active, the, the big deal is this: you got Adam, enough people. I, you got enough active people in there to have an active leave. You don't need you don't need all twelve people to be active. To some extent, you're right, but also it's Dynasty. The whole point of Dynasty is to be active. The whole point of Dynasty is to be making constant roster moves and trades. It's a different style of league. So I think with a redraft or even a keeper, I'm okay with a, a few more inactive teams. Don't kick them out of the league. It's not worth... Dan. This is why Dan has no friends, because he kicks everyone out of this league. It's not worth ending the, the friendships. <laughs> this is from Michael in Wisconsin. 12-team PPR, no flex, Empire League. So an Empire League is a dynasty league where you take $10, in his case, $10 from each team every year uh, to put in a separate pot. And once someone wins the league two years in a row, you get that pot. It's a family league, too. It's been going on for seven years. When we started, we had two managers, one family member and his friend, who liked to collude. Due to this, we made the rule. What? Of, yeah, I know, right? Due to this, <laughs> we made the rule of no trading 
with the champion in order to keep the integrity of helping the champ win again uh, in order to get a redraft. All right, so basically, you got this side pot. When somebody wins a league twice, they get that, and then you redraft the league. So it could behoove someone to trade with the reigning champion if they have a bad team. Trade with the reigning champion if you if you have a bad team um, to try to get him to win the league again, him or her, so we can restart the dynasty, basically. Uh, um, both both managers left. So so he made a, a rule that you cannot trade with the champion. That's a pretty harsh rule. Both managers left the league after this rule got put into play. Do you think having them not be in the league anymore, it'd be okay to take the rule out? <laughs> a lot of the league has grown to be okay with the rule. I think it's 100% okay to take the rule out. Anytime you make a rule in your leagues that isn't going as expected or didn't go according to plan or just isn't working out overall, it's a good decision to remove it. You should always be flexible. I've had I've been commissioner of my home league for now. It's our 16th year, and there's been a lot of changes to our keeper rules. And sometimes you just got to look at it and be like, well, that was a good idea in theory, but it just didn't work out. So let's make a change. Yeah, they're about uh, 15% of the segments that I put in the show. 85% of the segments that I put in the show, they seem great on paper. And then <laughs> that didn't, didn't work out. All right, listen, I am sorry to everybody. I, this is going to be a shorter episode. Right now it is 11.40 a.m. Eastern, and I have to be on CBS Sports HQ filling in for Dave at noon Eastern. So I got about 10 minutes left on the show. So let's speed through these Apple podcasts and emails. Here we go. Apple podcast question from Trenton. The more I watch Jamar Chase, the more I think he could be wide receiver one. Cup is much older. Jefferson has an inferior quarterback. Chase was a rookie last year and a rookie who hadn't played football in over a year. Is there a case to be made for Chase being the first wide receiver taken and maybe even a top three pick in PPR? Yes, 100%. This is The ceiling with Chase is obvious. It's there. Another year of rapport with Joe Burrow, an offensive line that has greatly re- improved. And the idea behind that would be now that now that Zach Taylor can trust his offensive line, he can go to that more pass-heavy approach. And they were not really a very pass-heavy team last year. More importantly, they weren't an up-tempo team last year. They were a slow team on offense despite scoring that many times. So if that tempo increases, I think he can definitely be the wide receiver one overall. Yeah, I think he's, there's a good chance he's the best wide receiver in football, and he'll prove right. that this year. I would not take him ahead of those guys because I don't think he'll have as many targets and certainly not as many catches. He's more of a big play guy, and he's like Cup had something like 60 more catches than him last year. So that's a big gap to, to close. But you're right to love Jamar Chase. From the fantasy baller, grade the trade in a 14-team full PPR Dynasty Superflex League. Give up Tyreek Hill. David Montgomery, and $20 in fab. Get Aaron Rodgers, Miles Sanders, Traylon Burks, and Michael Carter. My other quarterbacks are Sam Darnold and Jared Goff. Yeah, if you're competing to win now, I really like this trade. I know on the surface it seems like, oh my God, you're giving up young players and and a a former star in Dynasty and Tyreek Hill, which who knows if that will continue, but I like trading Hill at this stage because I think he's a player who age will matter a lot for him in dynasty because he needs that twitch and explosion. Once that's gone, he may not be a high profile player. David Montgomery already getting into, I mean, he's not already getting into those years, but I think there's a case to be made that his dynasty profile isn't very long-term. So you get a quarterback, which is gold in dynasty, especially 14 team super flex. Yikes. And Rogers has said he wants to play at least a couple more years. So I don't, I, I like the trade. From PJ Crisanti, keep one, Diggs in the third, Herbert in the fifth, 
or Amonra St. Brown in the 13th. It's a 1QB league. Diggs in the 3rd, Herbert in the 5th, or St. Brown in the 13th. I like Diggs in the third, and these types of questions, it's obviously between him and Amaran, but I think you got to take the high-profile talent that you're normally getting, you know, maybe on the two one-two turn in a keeper league where everything gets pushed down. So round three is very nice for him. From J-Mac. Dear Hank, Andy, Don, and Vince. Hank, Andy, Don, and Vince. No shot for me. Apparently it is the <laughs> Venture Brothers. Oh, my God. What even is that? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, ten team PPR league. Your <laughs> brothers. Ten team PPR league, two receiver league with a flex. Keeping James Connor in the sixth. I have the tenth pick. Which two would you start your team with? So he already has James Connor. It's a two receiver league with a flex. Pick two. Joe Nixon. I think that's Mixon. Joe Mixon, Swift, Kelsey, Adams, and Diggs. Ooh, I'm a Kelsey guy. Always have been elite tight end, big believer in that. So I'm Kelsey, but I understand going Mixon here for sure. Well, you can get two. So I would go. Oh, you get two. Oh, it's the it's the turn. Okay, yeah. so I would go Mixon and Kelsey. Yeah, same here. And if they're not available, I'd go Mixon, Kelsey, Diggs, Swift, yep. Adams. But Adam maybe Swift Adam Swift for me. But yeah, otherwise, yep. <sighs> okay, from seventy-seven kilos. <laughs> Sounds like something I shouldn't be saying. I don't know. Uh, he says, hello from the land where it was supposedly founded in 1904 by the Germans. I don't, that is not the line. The line is discovered by the Germans, right? In, in 1904. I don't this know. is anchor. This is anchor man. It's right? anchor man. I don't, that is, line. I don't know the line either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 12 team PPR three receiver league, three receiver keeper league. I'm having trouble with my keepers. St. Brown in the 15th Lockett in the 10th. Trey Lance in the seventh or Waddle in the eighth. Pick three. Give me those one more time, Adam. St. Brown in the 15th. That's mm-hmm. a yes. Lockett in the 10th. Waddle in the eighth. Lance in the seventh. And it's one QB, right? Yeah. And needs three? Yeah. St. Brown, Waddle, and Lance for me. And from JP, keep five players, no penalty, and no limit. Ooh. Ooh. And it's PPR. It, the answer here is just the first five. <laughs> listen to this. Listen to who's going to keep. McCaffrey, oh, Cup, Mixon, Nick Chubb, Stephon Diggs. <laughs> Look how many people are in this league. And it's how does this, team, come, how did this come about? I don't know. McCaffrey, Cup, Mixon, Chubb. The people Diggs. in your league should quit and not play with you. Yeah. Or find a, find an easier league for them. <laughs> so there should be some kind of beginner level leagues. I always feel like. <laughs> I'm not even going to read the rest of it because the, they're all good too. But it's those guys. <laughs> There's more. Uh, from Brandon in a town in Southern Maine. Uh, pick 12 in a PPR three receiver league. I plan on going hero RB with Mixon, Swift, or Aaron Jones. How far down the running back, back ranks would you consider going hero RB with? It's a great question. That's a good question, yeah. yeah. I think it probably ends for me with... No, as I'm willing to build a team around Leonard Fournette, I'm willing to be build a team around Saquon Barkley, and they're what back end round two type of back. So it goes down that far for me. I was in the same range. I don't include Barkley there, right? Just because of the injuries, but I do yeah. include Fournette. Uh, but if I start, I am getting nervous about Swift. I really am. Me too. If I started with say Jamar Chase and DeAndre Swift, I would love that. I'm not sure I would. 
wait until the AJ Dillon round for yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um all right, from John. We have two flex spots in my league. It's a new rule. Ten team, mm-hmm. half PPR, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, and two flex spots. How would you approach a second flex spot? Just best player available? No, that's not how I would approach it. We have a similar thing in my home league. It's the same thing for me. As long as you're in half point or full point PPR, you want to fill those flexes with wide receivers. So it's my approach remains the same. Don't quite. I know agree. you disagree. I don't on agree that. in half PPR. I'm telling you, man, and they make all the a, difference in a ten team league. Just go best player available. It's always going to be a receiver. It it unless you. You know, what running you backs great, are you finding in that range that are like no? Like, you could you could draft three running backs with your. With, I wouldn't do it, but you could draft three running backs with your first four picks, and then all of a sudden you've got your flex. Now then you're kind of locked into putting a flex there. Yeah, but but if you there. if uh, okay okay fine, let's say you draft um, you draft. You I go, know what you're gonna say. You get like Barkley, and you get a good running back before him, and then J.K. Dobbins or something like that. Well, right? I was like Brees Hall in round four, or Brees Hall or something like that. Okay. Yeah, it's not a bad play. Yeah, um, I wouldn't I'll put it this way. I would not worry about that when I'm drafting in a ten-team mm-hmm. league. Just just pick the best players, build your roster, try to get positional advantages. Like don't don't worry about oh this guy needs to be my flex at this position. Yada yada yada. From Brian, every guy every offseason, you guys mention players regressing. Usually, us more simple-minded fans get a little refresher lesson on what it is and what it means in fantasy. I know it doesn't mean the player isn't good anymore. I just need that few-minute refresher. Heath usually does a great job on it. All right, Dan, you're up. Talk about regression. This, this is right up Heath's alley, but I can kind of take over and try to do my best Heath impression, and a lot of it has to do with using the projections to your advantage. So regression essentially means this. It typically comes down to the touchdown totals. Touchdowns are not as easy to chase as, say, targets, for example. If a player gets a lot of targets from the same quarterback and it's the same quarterback and that receiver in the next year, you can count on that continuing. The touchdowns are a lot easy, are a lot harder to come by. Touchdowns are very finicky. If you look over time, the regression, and it can go both ways, by the way. A, a player like Kyle Pitts, who had one touchdown last year, is probably going to regress and have more touchdowns this year. But on the flip side, the player had 14 touchdowns, whoever that may be. I don't have a great example. Top of my mind, maybe Adam could give me one. Has a better chance to come well, down to... Cooper Cup had, what, 19? Sure. Cooper Cup's a good example of that, too, because he has a backstory, right? Cooper Cup has years in the yeah, league yeah. where he didn't have that many touchdowns. So you got to look at the player's history, too. It's not all just about, like, oh, if this guy only had one, he's going to have more. And regression is also not just bad, right, as, as you said with Kyle right. Pitts. Regressing is regressing is moving toward the average, oh, your average, you know? So right. moving toward a more predictable stat line. Cup did not have 19 touchdowns. He had 16. Sorry about that. Still a lot. Um, all right, let's see from Justin. Uh, he calls this the Roy Kent draft strategy. I <laughs> love it. Do you know that reference? I know. I, I know it. I had to look it up. I've not seen that show. Oh, come uh, on. Big Adam, miss. You don't see anything that's good. Big miss. Big miss. Huge miss. I will tell you, I, I'm watching the show City on a Hill. Season three just came out. That show's awesome. Come on, Adam. You should watch City, City on a Hill. I've never heard of it, but it can't be better than these other. Oh, shows I'm sorry. Know. I'm sorry that I am. Supporting Paramount Properties and shows that are on Showtime and trying to help you and your future. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I have a strategy for my upcoming half PPR Superflex salary cap league that I'm calling the Roy Kent strategy, the bleep it strategy. My league usually goes 55 to 65 for top running backs out of a $200 budget. 
25 to 34 on average for quarterbacks. The strategy is going for two of the following wide receivers, Jefferson Cup, Diggs, or Adams, plus Kelsey or Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and either Hertz or Herbert at Superflex. Wow. And then he's just going to punt running back and go with guys like Damian Pierce, Stevenson, uh, etc. So he's going to get two elite uh, wide receivers, a top two tight end, and two great quarterbacks, and just try to fill in running back. What do you think about the Clark Kent or whatever it is strategy? Clark Kent, Roy Kent. Come on, Adam. Step up. Understand the reference. Don't watch City on a Hill. Maybe watch an elite <laughs> level show like Secession. But I like this strategy. You know I'm going to love it. <laughs> I'm not a running back guy, so it fits my – it goes right up my alley, especially if you're going to get – I will say this, though. If this is your strategy, I wouldn't use too much of your remaining budget to fill out wide receiver or, let's say, a backup tight end or another quarterback. I would use that all on the Damian Pierce-type running backs and, all, and just load up on on five, six of those guys on your bench or you know, between your two starting spots on your bench. You really need to give your chance, yourself a better chance to hit at that position since you're investing so little in the top end of it. All right. Unfortunately, that is it for today. I'm very sorry to cut the show short. I hope everybody has an amazing weekend. Watch some preseason football. We're going to talk to you on Monday with rankings, risers, and followers based on the preseason. Clyde edwards there. We had a little tease from that from Heath that he might be a guy that's moving up in the rankings. I want to thank Dan for coming on, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. See you, everybody.